BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa, the largest online career resource built inclusively for women. I also have the privilege of hosting our new podcast, The Females. We're here to help with real talk career advice from CEOs, authors, creatives, and other experts to give you real strategies for building a successful career all on your own terms. Each episode of The Females is sure to not only inspire, but also to motivate you to take action and move your career forward. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes and follow along on careercontessa.com. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. So before we go into today's episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about Pride Month. June is Pride Month and we are at the end of it, but that doesn't mean that our education stops here, that our learning stops here, and so much more. June is Pride Month when the world LGBTQ community comes together to celebrate the freedom to be themselves. Pride gatherings are rooted in a history of minority groups who have struggled for decades to overcome prejudice and be accepted for who they are. The original organizers chose this month to pay homage to the Stonewall Uprising in June of 1969 in New York City, which helped spark the modern gay rights movement. And most Pride events take place every year in June, although some cities hold their celebrations at other times during the year. Pride events are geared towards anybody who feels their sexual identity falls outside the mainstream, although many straight people join in too, especially to show their support. LGBT is an acronym meaning lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender. The term is often extended to LGBTQ or even LGBTQIA to include queer, intersex, and asexual groups. Queer is an umbrella term for non-straight people. Intersex refers to those whose sex is not clearly defined because of genetic, hormonal, or biological differences, and asexual describes those who do not experience a sexual attraction. These terms may also include gender-fluid people or those who feel gender identity shifts over time or depending on the situation. It's incredibly important as we move forward that when we talk about pride and we talk about supporting those who are in the LGBTQIA communities, that we hear their stories directly. 
it has been proven that it is more effective if we feel an actual personal connection to these stories. And that's why today's guest, I feel, is so important. She is a wife. She is a mom. She is a Black woman. And she is gay. And her story and her account have brought so much connection for so many. And I'm really excited to share her with you today. I want to preface that I also just read a lot of information that I just gave you from CNN.com, but also just want to remind you, like we've heard before, go and use Google whenever you have these types of questions. If you have questions about LGBTQIA or gender in general, go and have a read about it and learn a little bit more. I think learning is the step of grace that we can take before we start kind of opening ourselves up to these conversations in a much bigger way. And it's okay that we're all learning together. So please enjoy today's episode. All right, everyone. Welcome back. This month, I knew that while everything was going on in the world, it was also incredibly important that we discuss Pride Month. And we've never actually done a full Pride episode before. And when I was looking at different people to bring on the podcast, this person was actually recommended to me by my friend, Kate Austin, who I love and adore, and we are mutual friends of. Tell us a little bit about yourself because you are not just a woman who is married. You're also a mother and you are also a black woman. So right now, we just before the podcast, I was like, that is a triple stack for you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your life where you live and everything that's going on right now. How are you feeling? Well, it's kind of like tough. Like a lot of days, well, actually all days, I feel super grateful. Every day in the most recent weeks, I felt like really anxious as well and just kind of uneasy. So my wife and I, we live in Florida and we have a two-year-old son. And with me being Black and my wife being white, even before like this movement and everything going on, I always felt like people kind of looked at me a bit different, whether it came from white people or from black people, black people, I feel like kind of look at you like, are you a white person? Like, you know, that's, you're, you know, going against your own kind. And I've had people say that to me, to white people, like, are you the nanny of that kid? Or, you know, like, what are you doing with her? Oh, wow. Yeah. I've had people straight up ask like, oh, how long have you been a nanny for this family? And I'm like, this is my child. That's something that like I've experienced just like on a day to day. And so now with like all of this stuff going on, it's just like heightened those things. Although we haven't been out in public with COVID, but you know, you still feel those things and you still see it in the media and just like being a mom and a sister, I just have all of these like worries for just my brothers and my child, you know, growing up here in America right now, because it's just not safe for little black boys. Yeah. And your son, oh my gosh, the cutest little being I've ever seen. His hair is wildly gorgeous. You have all these incredible birth photos from his delivery and stuff. If it's okay to ask, you carried your son. Was that ever a conversation that did you always know that you wanted to be the one to carry? In conversations around gay couples, I think it's a really interesting conversation to have around understanding, you know, how those roles are kind of played out. Right. Well, lucky for me, I wanted to be pregnant since I was a little girl. Like, and my cousin's to bring all their kids over and let them spend the night and let them babysit them. So I've always wanted to be a mom. For growing up, I was fearful that I would never be able to be a mom because I always knew I was gay. My wife, she has no desire to ever be pregnant. So it was a pretty easy decision. And it wasn't an easy pregnancy by any means or delivery, but it was definitely worth it. I'm so glad. And tell me, how did you meet your wife, your wife, Caitlin? How did you guys meet? Okay, so funny story there. So we both, Grew up in Orlando, Florida, and we played high school and travel basketball against each other. Like our teams were always like the best two teams. And I remember my senior year, 
in high school, I was crying because her high school team, Lake Mary, beat my team to go to the final four. And I still have the shirt to this day. I had this long sleeve red shirt and I was crying and I like wiped my mascara and the mascara never came up. We played against each other in college as well. We never like spoke a word to each other in high school or in college. And we used to go out to like the same gay bars and everything in Tampa, which is crazy. So it wasn't until our post-college life where she was coaching collegiate basketball and I was coaching high school basketball. And I wanted to bring my high school team to her college team camp because they would like host camps for high school. I reached out to her and she goes, oh, we're currently on a waiting list, but I'll put you on the waiting list and like let you know when there's a spot that opens up. So she never reached out to me and like never took me off the waiting list. We became Facebook friends and we realized we knew like hundreds of the same people and we probably lived like 15 minutes from each other at that time. Oh my goodness. Oh, if you ever want to play like pickup basketball and just like run a quick game, like text me and you know, let's play. So um, that's kind of like how it started. And then she was going to recruit out at Disney and I was refereeing basketball as well. So we were like, oh, cool. I'm going to be there too. And so we went to breakfast and then she like watched some of my games and she asked me out on a date or no, it wasn't really a date. She like asked me for a drink and I stood her up. Oh, <laughs> she waitlisted you and then you stood her up. Right. It was just payback. <laughs> it was just payback. And so we like kept hanging out, kept, you know, we'd go to like lunch and, you know, breakfast and stuff. And I was in the hospital once and she goes, oh, is anyone there with you? And I was like, oh, no one's here. And so she drove like 45 minutes from Disney in the hospital. And I remember she brought me Panera and a cupcake. And I was like, oh my God, this girl's so sweet. Like I wish I would have been her friend a long time ago, you know? And so then she left and we just like kept hanging out. And I thought she had a girlfriend the whole time. And so I was like, hey, does your girlfriend think it's kind of weird that like you're hanging out with me? And she goes, oh no, we broke up like nine months ago. And I was like, oh, okay. And so then like from that point, we just like kept hanging out and then we started dating. So how long have you guys been together now? Uh, seven years. Seven years. You started as high school rivals. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. That's incredible. And your son is two now, right? Yeah, he's two. So in Florida, I'm in Canada. Everything's pretty much legal here. What are the laws? I was looking up a little bit online before our call, but just from your own experience, you would know better than I would. What's going on in Florida in terms of LGBTQ rights? Some people here that are really for, and then you have some people that are completely against it. We're in Tampa. And so our mayor is gay. Really awesome because she used to be our police chief. And I think there's like a lot of like security and like safety in that, you know, she's for you and she's very open. It's not a secret. That makes me feel a bit better being like in a Republican state, you know, having a mayor that like supports my community and everything. But we've run into like some things like here and there, like if we were to go to like the doctor for gray, mainly been like on the medical side of people either like questioning it or like not totally being like for it. Interesting. And how has it been even socially? Do you find like you mentioned at the beginning that you felt like you kind of get looked at differently You've been asked if you're the nanny and things like that. But in terms of your relationship, you guys have been together for seven years and you were out before that. What has that been like for you living as a gay woman in a very more conservative state that kind of doesn't really feel the same way around that? A couple of years ago, we would be like a bit more discreet about things. We were like really careful, like where we would hold hands or mm-hmm. a hug or a kiss or anything for that matter. But now we're just like 
proud of who we are and, you know, it doesn't matter. And we live like in an awesome community, just like our neighborhood and our city itself. I mean, I can't even tell you how many gay people live in our neighborhood and just like the flags that fly and everything. So, I mean, it's really, it's really great like being here, but if you were to go out into like the suburbs, it's completely different. Not only are you living your lifestyle in the real world, which I'm so glad you have such an amazing community, but it brings in the fact that you also share your life online. Right. And that brings out a totally different kind of conversations. I've been witness to some of those comments that I've seen on friends pages and stuff before, but I know a lot of it exists behind the scenes. It's in the DMs. It's like really, really dark places. So what has been your experience in terms of sharing online? What are some of the kind of the feedback that you've gotten, the negative stuff, the trolling that you've gotten and received from sharing your life on social media? To be honest, it's very hurtful. And I always like immediately like start sweating because it just it really shocks me, you know, and I would say January of 2019, I wasn't big on social media at all. And when our son was born, I remember us like sitting in the hospital room and I remember crying, sobbing to even put a picture of him on my Instagram, but I wanted to share it, but I just felt like I was just like releasing him out. And so I didn't really like post much about my relationship or anything like that up until maybe like a year or so, or maybe a little bit more ago. But since then, you're right. Like the comments come in at a crazy rate. People like, you know, message you directly and just say all these insulting, negative, scary things. They just damn you to hell. They tell you how they feel bad for your kid and how, you know, you're a disgrace to your son, which I mean, that like can make me cry right now because we, as parents, we are doing the best that we can for our kids. And that's why I just wish that people in the world would, you know, just teach their kids love. And that would just continue to grow because I'm afraid for him, the things that, you know, that he'll face once he goes to school, you know, and things like that. But that's why it's just so important for us as parents to just like keep telling him how much he's loved and that this is a normal family, you know? One thing I can say about Instagram is that like the community that I've built around me is very good. And so if someone comes with something negative before I can get to it, you know, I've seen plenty of people like, you know, have my back and like totally defend me and my family there. So that's awesome. I know a lot of people think like, oh, Instagram is silly or, you know, whatever, but I've made some like, Pretty awesome, like friends, you know, through Instagram. The one thing I found when a lot of people ask me about my daughter getting on social media, for instance, because she's 14 now. So she got on it when she was of age to go on it. And everyone's like, well, what about the dangers? And what about this? And what about that? And I was like, that's all so valid. Like that can all happen. That's all a risk, but all of us take that. And what I found with her is while there was some of that negativity that she did experience, at the end of the day, she experienced community more. And she found people that liked things and could talk about things like you're in a community where there are folks like you who live a similar lifestyle and stuff as well, which is amazing. But that's not the case for a lot of people. There are people who are stuck in the suburbs. There are people who aren't even out, who don't feel safe to be. So the fact that they can even go into an app on their phone and find community and support when they need it. Because when we talk about pride and LGBTQ or even Black Lives Matter right now, these have been conversations that have been going on for years and years and years, but I don't feel like have really started to be listened to in big ways until the last couple of years. And social media has had to be a big part of that. And so how has it been for you? There's Black Lives Matter and Pride Month in the same month, everything kind of coming to a head. Like I was just honestly so honored that you were even open to talking because a lot of people have just been exhausted. Like how have you felt and been through this kind of like on one side, this massive battle of Black Lives and on the other side, 
wanting to celebrate your pride. I love the saying that like grief and joy can dance together, but it kind of feels like that a little bit this month. It's like fighting for human rights and also kind of like the celebration of black lives, the celebration of pride and also the tragedies within them. It's been a really tough month for a lot of people. How has it been for you? Things that I'm seeing, such as like white people marching with black people, you know, people being able to celebrate their pride. But then at the same time, I find myself kind of like confused a lot because I'm just wondering why did it take so long and why did so many people have to lose their lives to get to this point, you know? And I, you know, I've asked even some of my really close, like white friends, why hasn't this bothered you before? Just like, you never thought about this. Like it's nothing new. And someone's a liar if they tell you they didn't notice it, you know? So it's just like, why weren't you guys fighting with us or for us before it got to this point? At the same time, I'm grateful that the fight is happening now, you know? Yeah. As far as like being exhausted, it's definitely mentally exhausting because there's just like so many things going through your mind and me personally, this time right now is just like so important for people like myself just to like speak up and just share my story and just talk about all these different things and how it affects, you know, just my life. Cause I'm just like a tiny little grain of sand in like this big beach of a world. But I think if all people like me and, you know, just different like black queer people in the community, just like come together and keep talking about it. Cause that's what we need. Like just to keep the momentum, you know, no matter how tiring it is. And I think about like Martin Luther King and I'm like, Hey, I'm sure he was tired marching and I'm sure, you know, he was tired not being at home and things with his children, but we don't have a Martin Luther King right now, people coming together that speaks volumes in a way that he did. So I just think no matter how tired you are or just like frustrated, we just have to keep going. I think it's been an important thing, especially white folks to have these conversations, challenging themselves in the long term. It's going to be easy while our feeds kind of start to shift away to stay on top of it. These are things that because we have the privilege of not experiencing them, we actually have to actively be engaged with it. I signed myself up for a course that doesn't even start for like months from now. And I'll sign up for another one on top of that because I'm trying to stay in it. I couldn't believe the amount of mental exhaustion I had within like two days. I felt so guilty about the fact that I even had that exhaustion. Cause I'm like, this has been people's entire lives, like entire lives feeling exhausted. And we're all learning and we're all learning it so fast and trying to do it at lightning speed. Somebody explained it to me, like, it's like trying to explain to somebody what a shoe is over and over and over and over and over again. Like that's why so many black folks are so exhausted. They've been trying to explain to us what a shoe is and it's been there all along. We could actually just go and find out for ourselves. So I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you kind of said like how this is kind of really long-term work here because that's incredibly important, I think, for a lot of us to recognize and see. For you personally, in terms of either pride or the Black Lives Matter movement, what is it that you think that we could be doing better at and being a better to support to someone like you? Because I think we love to assume. I think we love to assume what would be good for you. But wondering how you actually feel like you would get tangible support. Just like in the world, the world has to like resume and keep going and, you know, people have to go to work and like people on social media, that's their full-time job. People have to continue to support themselves in that way. And of course, like uh, post their normal content and things. And sometimes like if I see like really just like addy photo type of thing, I'm like, no, like, come on, like this is what you should be posting or talking about, you know, but then I like bring myself back. I'm like, well, that's like their livelihood. They have to support themselves. Oh, everyone is not going to like, just keep talking about this important movement on every story and every post, you know? I just think like to support me and people like me, it's just important that we continue to mix it in there, you know, actually have these conversations and go to 
you know, the head of your company and say like, Hey, are we going to have like some roundtable discussions or are we going to put out any type of like statement, anything so that people know what you stand for? Because I feel like if you don't say anything to me, I assume that like, you're not standing with me, you know? A lot of folks, we kind of felt at the beginning of this, that this was going to be an outward argument. It was going to be a battle that was done with like random people that we didn't know. And you quickly came to see, you had to have really uncomfortable conversations with your friends, potentially with family members. You had to have them with, like you said, your boss, you actually should go into the place of your own livelihood and take a challenge at it and have those tough conversations. If you're someone like me that works with brands, you have to go to them and like ask what their ethics are and what their actions are. There's no longer, I think, a means for us to be passive with this. We can't leave it to those who are the most vulnerable in this situation to carry that burden or expect them to be the change because they need the change. We have to be in this together because if roles were reversed, we'd be asking for that as well. And honestly, the work has been done by Black folks for so long. And I think that it's needing a little bit of a rest. Like I've just, I've seen so much exhausted work and I've had to learn a lot, even the way we were navigating the space. I even used the words like, oh, this one woman's a really great resource. And someone was like, you can't consider black women resources. Like they're human beings that happen to have this knowledge and education, but that doesn't make them a resource. And I was like, oh, like even that we're just in this constant state of learning, which I think is so, so important. Do you think there's anything similar that we need to do as well in terms of LGBTQ? Right now, I've noticed a lot in the trans community is like a really, really high death rate. How have you seen it in terms of that needing change as well and and the continued pushes that we can do? There are some groups of lesbian women that don't think that trans women, you know, belong in our community. And to me, that's just like mind blowing to me. And it's just like baffling because I mean, I'm sure there's some people who have grown up, you know, lesbian, gay, and have had nice, easy path, but most of us haven't. And it's like having experienced that and going through some of the hurts and like challenges that we've gone through. It's like, how dare you make them feel less than or not a part of this community that we built just to be open and welcoming to all. So that upsets me a lot. And the amount of trans people that are dying right now, black trans people, it's just, it's disgusting. And it's just so sad. And it's just scary because I don't know what it's like to be trans, you know, but I know what it's like to be a black gay woman. And that's not been easy. And, you know, you put yourself out there and, you know, you're just trying to be proud of who you are to live your life. This is your one life that you have here, you know, and everyone deserves to live their life to their fullest and be happy. And what I don't understand is why that bothers people so much, just someone else living and being happy to the fact that they think they need to go out and murder them and just do all these heinous things to them just for what reason, you know? So I just think, especially during this Pride Month, that we need to continue to speak up and advocate for them and defend them. Every time something else pops up in the news, I'm like crying and crying and crying because that's somebody's kid, you know? And that's just what I come back to is just a mother. And, you know, if my son, you know, tells me one day that, hey, mom, I'm gay or hey, I'm trans, I'm this, whatever, like, I love you regardless. You know? And I want everyone into the world. They may not have to love you like I do, but just to accept you and make it okay you to live your life. That's it. Like I saw this little boy at a protest, a little black boy, and he's holding up a sign. He's like, at what point do I become scary? Question mark. And I was like, when you identify it as children, you want to hug and protect them. You want to be like, the world will not touch you. We will stand with you. We will protect you. 
and then they grow up and we're not doing it. And and I don't know where that stops and why it stops because that is always somebody's baby. That is always somebody's brother or sister or parent or whatever. And yeah, that's been the one really, really shocking thing in both the Black Lives Matter and the LGBTQ plus conversations happening at the same time is the Black trans lives is the death rate is absolutely astonishing and it's devastating and it has to be talked about. And I think it has to have the kind of that pressure on and it can't be left to the communities, the LGBTQ communities to kind of do that. Right. So you mentioned that life has not been as easy for you as being a black woman, as being a gay woman, how has like coming out to your friends, your family, your life, like how was that process? How old were you? And was it easy? Did everyone kind of realize it? Or was it kind of a huge hurdle for you? Before I was seven, I knew that I was gay. You know, when I was in kindergarten, I had a crush on a girl. It was just like a mutual vibe. You know, it was like, I never said that I liked her and she never told me she liked me. But we had a plan to meet up during nap time in the bathroom. And we did. And we kissed and we exchanged underwear. And it was just like a symbol to each other. Like, we'll promise rain or something, you know? As far as like coming out, when I was in high school, I dated a guy and I just never had like that, like sexual attraction to him at all. Kind of feminines me. We used to like write notes every day to each other and like that type of thing. But I was never like, I'm like, you know, don't really like hug me or kiss me, but like just keep these notes going. And then that didn't work out and I started dating a girl. And I kept that on hush from like my parents, mainly my mom, because my mom was very involved in the church and I knew that was not going to be good. So my big, like, coming out moment was when I was outed by my college roommate. I was at a Christian school. And so obviously that wasn't allowed. And so she went and pulled on me after I like trusted her. And um, I got pulled out of class. I had to go talk to the dean of students and the president. They told me I had to enroll in therapy. They suspended me from school. They kicked me off the basketball team. At that point, there was no hiding it from like my mom or my dad. I don't have to like hide this anymore or like pretend. And my mom still didn't like really believe it and didn't want to accept it. My dad, I felt like my dad thought that he was supposed to be upset, but like he wasn't. And I thought my dad would have been upset, but he wasn't. And he just loved me. And from that point, my relationship with my dad just grew even more because he loves my wife. And it's just been great, you know, on that aspect. But outing and coming out story was not like this really pleasant, like, hey, let's just talk. This is who I am. You know, it was very abrupt and almost like embarrassing because I had a group of, you know, teammates that I played with. And it was, you know, all these stories flying around why Kristen was leaving and why she wasn't on the basketball team anymore. And some of the girls have reached out since then saying it was just handled like so poorly. And the fact that I had to like go to therapy and I'm like, what are you trying to convert me? It was just very, very strange. But I mean, I'm a firm believer in that it happened the way it did for a reason because I would never switch schools. And then I probably would have never met Kate. I'm glad you brought that up though, because I've openly admitted before I grew up, my parents were incredibly wide belief system. They were very like human first centric thinking. So I was never raised in an environment in which I felt anything negative towards the gay community. But as time went on and I was like a huge part of my own church and I had certain influences in my life that were also involved in that church, there was a time where I actually started to adhere to this narrative of like, hate the sin, love the sinner. And it took like some deep unlearning and also through the process of seeing a friend come out and watching the devastation of their life by those who they loved and, you know, love Jesus and suddenly 
you know, my friend is completely betrayed by his family, has like lost so much in the process. It's important to have these conversations to also recognize that just because somebody has a belief system at some point doesn't mean they can't change. Like I love being my own hypocrite when it comes to that. I love looking back at, I don't love it, but like looking back at who I was in my twenties and this differently influenced type of thinking because I felt like I was doing what was right and having the opportunity to learn differently and to open your mind and your heart to different narratives and adapt those and support humans. Like at the end of the day, support people. And I think that that's been, to be honest, from somebody who used to have that type of view to now it's like a weight lifted. It's like, you actually get to just choose love. And if we could have conversations more where it's like, this isn't a burden you have to carry in the sense of like, it's never felt like a burden when you're fighting for the sake of love. It just isn't. And in terms of like religious conversation, I always come down to the fact, like, I think God's got bigger fish to fry than like two people loving each other. I grew up Catholic and then became like, had my own relationship with God and just being okay with myself and saying like, you know, I'm not going to hell. Like I'm a good person. I have a good heart. And if someone actually wanted to like break down the Bible and like, you know, see it with an open mind, instead of reading it in a way that makes sense for their argument, you know, we should all focus on just loving each other and take all the other I'd rather be wrong and in love than be wrong with hate, right? And I don't think we're wrong, so it's going to be fine. (laughs) I think it's one of those things that leading in love is not as difficult that I think a lot of people think it might be. And I mean, look at your life now and your beautiful son and your lovely wife and your relationship is just absolutely amazing. And I've loved following along with you guys. Are you going to continue to share? Like, do you feel like, and now that you're a mom and you said you've only been really getting more open, where do you see this going for you? You know, teenagers and just other people like adults just reach out with like very, very, very touching stories and situations that they're in. And so every time I think like, oh, okay, well, no one really cares about what I'm saying or about the story that there are people out there that really care and it's given them that hope or, you know, the courage to maybe take a step forward in their life that they didn't have, you know, before. And I think even for Gray, you know, way down the road, I do it just to make him proud, you know, and sharing my story and fighting the fight that I'm fighting and keep putting it out there so that hopefully that uh, the world just be like a little bit of a better place for him. Totally uh, want to just continue like, sharing my family, sharing my story and my different life experiences and things as they come. It's been interesting, but at the same time, it's been a lot of fun, you know. If it weren't for social media that I would have found somebody as special like you that is not just a Black woman, but in a biracial relationship with this beautiful son, it is just, you guys have such an amazing love story. And I just really appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit with us. I know that these questions often, I'm like, even when I'm like asking a mixed wedding, I'm like, am I allowed to ask these things? Like, I don't even know half the time. But I just really appreciate your openness and your willingness to kind of allow me to ask those questions and have these conversations so that we can learn directly from somebody who is living it instead of just assuming kind of what that lifestyle might be like. So thank you so much. Tell everyone where they can find you, where you love to hang out the most. Instagram. And you guys can follow me at Kristen underscore Gabrielle. I'm going to put that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. 
and give your little fam jam some love for me. You're going to have to let me, I'm going to request to follow your son's page. I'll I'll let you uh, follow him. This is private. So I'm like, I'm going to have to ask you first, but like, I need to follow more of him. He is just such an angel. Well, happy pride. Thank you so much for coming on and having these conversations. I really, really appreciate you. And for everyone listening, go check her out as well. Go see her incredible love story and learn more about what it's like to be somebody like Kristen, which is quite an incredible human. So we will see you next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the papaya podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.